you know, some words gain value because of the person who speaks them. And uh, this morning, hearing all these amazing words coming from the mouth of my friend and partner in the ministry, just, uh, I'm overwhelmed. And uh, I cannot say how much I love your pastor, Paul, and his wife, Sue, and uh, doing ministry with them is just a joy that I can't uh, express my gratitude to the Lord enough. Um, he's not just a great friend. They're not just great friends. They are really role models for my wife and myself and for so many of our pastors in Eastern Europe um, that they served for so many years um, here in Canada, but also uh, their ministry has a great impact in Romania. I tell you, all of us are so impacted by your faithfulness and by uh, the love that you have for the Lord. So, so grateful for you guys and so thankful for the possibility of uh, being with you today. I already been blessed beyond measure uh, by the worship that we had uh, together. Um, but in the same time, uh, I have the opportunity of open God's word with you and that's a privilege that uh, is overwhelming uh, for, me, uh, for me. So. Thank you very much for inviting me to, uh, to open God's Word with you in this morning. Would you like to open your Bibles with me uh, to the book of Isaiah, chapter 52, and we will read three verses, uh, starting with verse 13. Isaiah 52, starting with verse 13. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up, and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance, and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them they see, and that which they have not heard, they understand. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we need you so much. For every breath that we take, for every step that we make, we need you. But also we need you when we have to speak about the glorious suffering of your son and who is enough for such an amazing task. The only person who can present your, your son as he should be presented is the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit come and take us under your control. Take our minds and hearts, our words, in such a way that we will see Jesus and we will be transformed by this amazing opportunity of seeing him again. For his glory, we are here. And in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. The context of the verses that uh, I just read 
is given by verse, the, the first verse of uh, chapter 52. And just listen to me what the Lord is saying to his people. Awake, awake. Put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garment, O Jerusalem, the holy city. And the Lord is inviting his people to put on the garments of joy, the garments of celebration, because this is an invitation from the Lord for his people to a great celebration, a celebration that will surpass any other celebration that they have ever had. And the reason for that celebration is the coming of his son in our world and the success of his beloved son will have in this world. I know that in this time, when we hear so many bad news, when we hear so many things that are making our heart discouraged and sometimes trembling, as we heard before, we need this invitation from the Lord again and again to prepare ourselves for celebration. And I know some of you will ask yourself, how can I celebrate when I face so many problems? And again, the reason that we have to celebrate today is the same reason that the people of Isaiah had to celebrate in his generation. And the reason is Jesus is doing an amazing work here in this time, in this generation. And his work is successful. That's guaranteed by God. We have to live with that mentality that his success is the base of our celebration. And my beloved, I want to tell you that our celebration is, not, is actually not our celebration. It's the celebration of Lord's servant, of Jesus. And when we celebrate, actually we honor him. We give him the honor that he deserves for the work that he did for us. But in the verses that we just read, I hope you noticed that with the success that he will have, there is a lot of suffering. There is a lot of pain that he has to go through because his success is coming out of his suffering. So in this morning, we look together at suffering and glory. And these two ideas are together always presented on the, the pages of God's word. You cannot separate the, the, the two things, suffering and glory. There is no glory without suffering. There is no celebration without suffering. And each suffering of God's children will end up in glory. So let's take a look together at the passage that we just read. And the first thing I want you to see when you talk about suffering and glory, is that this is the gospel. Suffering and glory is the gospel. Look with me again, verse 13. The Lord will begin this passage with the, 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 the expression, behold. And that really means that God is directing our attention to something very, very important. It's like God says, hey, pay attention. 
What I want you to see is very, very important. It's critical for your life, for your understanding. And when, Lord, when the Lord is directing our attention to this important thing that we need to see, is actually uh, directing our attention toward his servant. And not to any uh, general idea of his servant, but also to the success of his son. Look at me again. Behold, my servant shall act wisely, and he shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. The expression that the Lord is using here to present the work of his son is the expression that we meet also in Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah met the Lord. And he saw the Lord high and exalted. And that expression means that there is no one higher in position of authority than our God. And there is no higher in position of authority than our Savior, His Son, Jesus Christ. He has all the glory because He's wise, because He has success in the work that He does for the Father cause. But His success... And his glory is the consequence of his suffering. He has all the glory because no one else has suffered as he did. No one went through the deep suffering of, of, of the, 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 the Lord's servant as Jesus did. And... I was very surprised when I read this passage and then the following chapter, uh, the famous uh, 53 chapter of Isaiah, to see how many words is the Spirit of the Lord using to describe the suffering of the Lord's servant. Just look with me. I have a list here about that suffering. Despised and rejected, men of sorrow, acquainted with grief, bore our griefs, carried our sorrows, stricken, smitten by God, afflicted, pierced, crushed, wounded, chastised, oppressed, judged, cut off from the land of the living. So many words just to underline the suffering of the Lord's servant. And I have to be honest with you. And when I read all, all these words, I just asked myself, do we really need so many words to understand this, this suffering? I don't know how are the Canadians, but we in Romania, we like to brag about our suffering. It's like a contest of suffering. When you are in a small group and somebody will say like, oh, I had a very difficult week. Immediately, someone else will say, oh, that's nothing. Let me tell you about my week. And the third one will wake up, you know, and say like, oh, that's, that's totally so superficial. Let me tell you how hard it was for me. And it, it feels like that because when we stand in front of such suffering, we, 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 we are like humble and say like, do we really need to hear all these words? Isn't it enough to say he suffered? He paid with suffering for whatever? So many words. The Spirit of the Lord is not using any, any word just in vain. 
And the Spirit of the Lord was very careful to let us know through all these words that no one else have ever suffered as much as he did. I don't believe that we have enough words in our vocabularies in Romanian or, or, Kened, or English or, or, or any other language on this world to describe the suffering of the Lord's servant. No wonder he has such glory because no one else has suffered as much as he did. And the result of his suffering is the glory he has. But why? Why the suffering? And when you hear verse 10 from chapter 53, you are really puzzled. Look at me. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. Who is this person that the Lord crushed under his mighty hand? No one else than the Son of God, the unique Son of God. The Lord crushed him. Why? You see, one of the most important work of the Lord's servant was to reveal the heart that we have about God. We don't know how we really relate to God unless the Son of, the, uh, the Son of God will come and reveal our heart toward Him. And we actually showed how much we care about God and how much we love God and how much we are ready to give our lives to Him when He Himself came into our world. And He came to us and you remember what happened? He was rejected by his own people. The people that had the word of God in their hands. With the word of God in their hands. Do you remember Matthew, uh, the, chap the second chapter of Matthew? They knew how to interpret the scriptures about the son of God who will come. But they couldn't see him. And not just that. They despised him. They didn't want him because in their hearts they didn't want God they didn't like God they didn't love God oh they wanted the benefits from God oh they loved that they loved the, the, the land that the Lord has given to them but they didn't love God they're not interested in God at all and the servant of the Lord just revealed our attitude toward God when he was here on our earth and for that attitude, we must be punished. Don't forget, God is the highest authority in this universe. And when you do something against him, your punishment should be on the measure of the, the, the authority of the guy that you sin against. It should be. Because he's the highest authority in the universe. The punishment for rebelling against him is death. 
So all the suffering that Lord's servant has gone through is actually on our behalf. He suffered for me. He suffered for you. All the words that we just read earlier about the suffering of Jesus should be written in, 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 in my account. I should be going through all of that. I am. I deserve that. I, I, I know how much I deserve that, but I'm not going through all of that. Why? Because Jesus did that in my place, on my behalf. He was crushed by God so that I will not be crushed. He was crushed by God so that you will not be crushed by him. So that now you can benefit out of his suffering. And what's the benefit that we receive from that? To call the father, his father, our father. To be adopted in his family. To have access to the resources of God into our lives through the Holy Spirit. And one day, to receive the same glory that he, the one who suffered, has right now. That, I, I don't know, it's just overwhelming for my brain. My brain hurts when just think about that. Like, come on. I'm not, okay, I should, be, I should be grateful just because God is not punishing me. That Jesus suffered in my place, on my behalf. That, that's more than enough. But also to receive his glory. Wow. It's too much for me to grasp. But I receive that with all my humility. Me, a sinner who deserves Death, who deserves hell, to receive the glory that a son has. You, a sinner, who deserves death and hell, to receive the glory of the Son of God. And that's available for you, my dear friends. So you understand, if you didn't trust yet in Jesus for your salvation... You are lost. You are under the punishment of God. You are under the judgment of God. But you are in the right place this morning to hear again about the suffering of God's Son. And when you trust in Him and in what He did for you, you will be forgiven. Your sins will be washed away. And you'll be adopted in God's family. And one day you'll receive His glory. He suffered and he died in our place. The grace we receive every day for each challenge that we face is flowing out from his suffering. So, church, our worship should be every, every time. Every Sunday, every, every day when we are together and we worship should be a celebration. Should be a celebration for God's Son, for His work, for His suffering, and for the glory that He has. And when we do that, He gets the honor 
He receives the glory from us. Don't forget the glory of the gospel is suffering. And when we remove the suffering from the gospel, there is no good news in the gospel. There is no good news. The good news become a bad news. And our world don't need a bad news, another bad news, on top of all the others. We need so much a good news, the gospel. And when we keep suffering and glory together, we do have the right gospel. That's the first thing. The second thing I want you to see when we talk about suffering in glory uh, is that this is the pattern for our lives. It's not just the gospel, but it's the pattern of our lives. Don't, don't forget that the reason that Jesus suffered for so much was that he had a certain kind of life that actually got him in trouble, created all the, the, the circumstances that he will get that pain, that suffering that he suffered, and the kind of life that he lived was according to the Father's expectations for his Father's pleasure. Every word he spoke, every deed he did, even the miracles that he performed, all of them were done with his eyes focused on the Father. We believe that he did all of that for us. We are so important that he came to get rid of the suffering from our lives, of, of, of all the, 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 the wrong that was done in the world. Yeah, that, that's the consequence. But actually, the, the main reason Jesus did all he did was for the pleasure of his Father, for the glory of his Father. And in the end, even the miracles that he performed attracted more hatred from the people that Receive the miracles. Because when somebody lives for, for God's glory, when somebody lives in this world for the Father's pleasure, it will face the same kind of destiny that Jesus had, and that is suffering. Uh, with our church in Brela, we are right now in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, and we just look at Matthew 5, and in verse 11 and 12, Jesus told to his disciples the first lesson he taught them. That was the first lesson, you know. It was this. Suffering is guaranteed for you. So do you want to be my disciples? Do you want to follow me? Welcome. This is your destiny. This is your destiny. Suffering. When we live for God's pleasure will face the same suffering he did. Peter says the same thing in chapter 2, verse 21. For you had been called to this, to suffer as he suffered. But don't forget, my brothers and sisters, this kind of life marked by suffering will be followed by glory. Because he will not give us just the half of his destiny. He will give us his entire destiny. And his this destiny is suffering and glory. And when we live as he did, with all the suffering that we're going to go through, with all the pain that we'll experience because we live for God's pleasure, for his glory, we will receive the glory that Jesus has right now. 
The problem that we have in these days is that so many of Christ's followers, all they do is to try to find ways to run away from suffering. We really believe that God sent his son to suffer in our world to make our life more comfortable here. We don't live for the glory that will come. We are not interested in that. We are interested in his benefits right now. Jesus came here to, 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 to save from the, the problems that we sometimes create for our own lives. He came to heal us. He came to solve our problems in the families. And he does all of that. But those are consequences. It's something greater that he wants to give to us. And that's the perfect glory that he has. We're going to get that. Right now we, re we receive little pieces of that glory. And when you get just a jewel of that glory, it's amazing. You just say like, wow, if this is amazing, how amazing will be when we're going to get the whole glory that the Lord has prepared for us. But we have to put these concepts in our minds that we need to prepare ourselves for suffering here so that we are going to live for the glory will come. The best life God is preparing for us is not here, but in the following one when we'll be with Jesus. So don't expect things will be better in this world. Maybe Canada is better than Romania. It is. <laughs> it is. But in so many ways, all of our world is just screaming out loud and waiting for the day of redemption when Jesus will come and the suffering will end and we'll get his glory. Living for the future glory is not easy. It implies a lot of suffering now and here. And some of us don't want that. Why do some believers continue to live in their sins? Why? Because we like sins. Sins are, are tasty. They bring pleasure we like them. And when you have to stop living in sin, pain will become a new experience for you. Suffering will be there in you. And we don't want suffering. So let's continue to sin. It's easier. Why do we still have Christians who are not disciplined enough to seek the Lord daily, His word in, and in prayer? Because discipline brings suffering and it's hard so God is good we don't need to read the Bible every day we don't need to be in the word every day we don't need to pray every day he will understand because we don't like suffering why can't we forgive when injustice is done to us because forgiveness brings suffering and we don't like it and why there are so many Christians who never share the gospel to their friends. 
even if they, they know that their friends or even the one that they, leave, they, they love in their families will go into hell if they will not believe the gospel. Because some of them will reject us. Some relationships will, will be broken when we share the gospel. And people will say like, come on, stop. I don't want you here near me to remind me again and again about my sin and about my destiny and that I need Jesus. I can fix that myself. And so all those relationships that will broke will bring suffering, are painful, and we don't like suffering. And all of these are true. But don't forget, my dear brothers and sisters, that living a life of suffering now will end up in the future glory, the same glory that Jesus has. So suffering and glory, that's the pattern of our life. And one last thing. When you talk about suffering and glory, we have to understand that suffering and glory reveals God's holy ambition. I really like the term that Isaiah uses for the Lord's servant from Hebrew. The, the word is abed. And the term really means that this is the, the lowest uh, rank of, of slaves. You couldn't go lower than the abed of the Lord. And what really means is that this, this abed would never express any desires of himself. He doesn't have plans for his life. He doesn't have purposes and goals for his life. He doesn't have his wishes and his desires. So if you, will, if you would go to an abed and ask him, like, what are you going to do next month? He will say, I don't know. You have to ask my master. He has plans for my life. But don't you have your personal desires? Would you like to do something? He said, no. Actually, all I'm here for is to obey my master. So if you ask about my plans, about my desires, about my goals, talk with my master. Because I live to make him happy. And Jesus did the same thing with his father. He came in this world without any personal desires, any personal purposes. His father's purposes were his. The desires of his fathers were his. So when you would ask Jesus what he wants, he would say, I want, what, I want what my father wants. And what were the desires of his father? What are the holy ambition that God the father has? In Hebrew, chapter 2, verse, verse 10, the spirit of the Lord is telling us this. He wanted to bring many sons to glory. And in Isaiah, chapter 16, verse 10, the, 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 the Lord is even more clear than that. To dress the afflicted in garment of salvation. This holy ambition of God became the ambition of, of the Son. The Lord's servant who brings it to fulfillment. Jesus took that ambition from his Father. Embraced it. 
and identified with, 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 with it so that he was willing to pay with his life just to see the plan, the desires of his father accomplished, becoming reality. What is very important for us to see is that in the passage that I, we just read, the Lord will, will begin in, in a certain word, order. He doesn't begin with the, the suffering of his son, uh, with the, the problems that he's facing, but actually he's beginning with his success. Look at me again in verse 13. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. And just after that, the Lord will bring into the discussion also his suffering. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them, they see. And that which they have not heard, they understand. And the order of the work of the, of the servant of the Lord is telling us that God already decided that the work of his son will be successful before he went into the suffering. Because, let's be honest, when you look at the suffering of Jesus, the way he started, he began his ministry, you just say, like, no chance. No chance. Don't bother. You have no chance. But God says, no, 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 no. This is already established. The decree from heaven is already given. He will be high and lifted up. He will be exalted. And now he has to go suffering that's why Jesus was able to go through all the suffering because he knew what will come after the suffering there is not even one second in the life of Jesus when he said like is it really true that God will take me through all of this am I believing a I don't know something that is not real no he knew and he started his ministry with this success mind focus. I know how this will end in glory. And because of that, he embraced without any reservation the holy ambition of his father. And he said, I want to live for that. Do you want to bring many sons to glory? I'm here for that. Send me. I will bring them to you. Do you want to dress the, the afflicted in garments of joy as a bridegroom? I'm here, ready to go, and I will do that for you because I love that idea. That's my heart. That's my passion. There's nothing else that, I, that makes me more happy than this. And beloved, when we live for Jesus and when we love the Father, the ambition that God has becomes our ambition and our desire. Again, I, I can't explain how, why how so many so-called Christians, so many followers of Jesus, they says that they love Jesus, they love God, but when it, when it is about what God wants to do is always about themselves, about their own needs, 
about their own plans, about their desires. Hey, uh, do you want to serve? No, I'm too busy to do that. Hey, do you want to go in mission? No, it's not a good time. And never, it's it's a good time to do that. Uh, Do you want to do this or? No, I'm, I'm too busy with my own things. Because we don't understand that when we live as Jesus did, we embrace God's holy ambition as he did. We have to understand that this work is the most successful work in the universe. You are involved in so many other things, but you are not sure how those things will end. But I can guarantee you, when you get your life into the completion of God's ambition, the success is guaranteed. You remember Revelation chapter 7? When John saw a multitude of nations coming together, it looks like Markham, but probably a, a larger scale. So many nations coming together, bringing glory to the one who suffered for them and made it possible for them to be not just in heaven, but to live the same kind of life in this world. Yeah, I want to be very clear that some of us will say like, oh, this life is so hard, but I can't wait for heaven. I can't have... No, Jesus didn't do that. He said like, this is the kind of life I want to live. This is the best life I want to have. He was the only person that came into this world who could choose the, the, the way he could live. He could choose the circumstances for his life, but he didn't. This is the life he did. This is the kind of life he wanted because he knew what will be the result of this kind of life. So we should continue to uh, work for God's ambition to become reality, not with an attitude of, it's so hard, it's so difficult. It's like, me? Do you want me? Do you want to use me? Do you want to use my life? Yes, this is overwhelming. It's the great opportunity that a human, per, a human being can have. So, be ready to embrace God's ambition with all of your heart, with all of your mind. There are still many in this area who need to hear the gospel of Jesus. Some of them will be harsh on you, will reject you, of course. But with every rejection, your joy should increase even more. You you remember that story in the book of Acts, chapter 5, when the apostles were beaten, and when they came to their own, they said they were rejoicing because they had the privilege of going through the same suffering as their Savior. We need that mindset. Because in every suffering for His glory, there is a little jewel of glory that God has prepared for us. And I was, as I was, as I was uh, preparing this message, I just reminded uh, of, uh, of a story of uh, the Moravians brothers and I was just looking this morning for it, and I want to read it for you in, at the end of this message. The Moravians had learned 
that the secret of loving the souls of men was found in loving the Savior of men. On October 8, 1732, a Dutch ship left the Copenhagen harbor bound for the Danish West Indies. On board were two first Moravian missionaries, John Leonard Dauber, a potter, and David Nishman, a carpenter. Both were skilled speakers and ready to sell themselves into slavery to reach the slaves of the West Indies. As the ship slipped away, they lifted up a cry that would one day become the rallying call for all Moravian missionaries. Listen to their call. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. The Moravians' passion for souls was surpassed only by their passion for the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. May the Lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Would you make that prayer yours today? Are you willing to make your life to be the reward of the Lamb for the suffering He suffered for you? I pray that that will be the reality of this day. So let us pray together. Father, thank you so much for the suffering of your Son. And thank you so much that you showed us that whenever we are embracing the same kind of life that your son had, we are preparing ourselves for glory. And we want that. But being very honest, I don't like suffering. I don't want to get through that. So would you prepare our hearts and minds with the same, uh, the same mentality that your son had so that we are going to get into everything you want us to go. So that we are going to embrace your ambition. Use this church to bring more sons to glory. Here in Markham, in the surrounding area, but also all over the world. So that your son will receive the reward for his suffering. Amen.